0: Hey folks, welcome back. Today, a very special guest zooming in from Barrie, Ontario. Our guest today, Richard Brisson, is a real estate entrepreneur and a property manager with a ton of experience from both sides of the coin. So really looking forward to our conversation. Welcome to the show, Richard.
1: Thank you, Dave. It's a pleasure to be here with you.
0: Likewise. All right, my friend. So first things first, That's you bit off a big chunk there. Cause we are talking a little bit off camera. You've got 125 landlords that you're managing properties for. You've got your own portfolio of properties. You're doing construction stuff. You're doing a lot of stuff. So how did this all start for you? How did you get into real estate in the first place?
1: It, it was all an, uh, call it a gift or an error.
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, now you gotta be intrigued, a gift or an error. So, uh, Tell me because about it's
1: it, it's great but it's also not easy right uh, yeah but i know i got into this in 2005 bought my first property and um we really uh, haven't looked back uh much since then and yeah. uh, Just and here we are so- managing other people's properties
0: so did you start right off the off the bat with multi-family small multi-family or were you doing single family homes and flips and that sort of stuff and it transformed into this what what happened just give us it a was cold sing- version of the journey
1: yeah it was single family homes yeah that i got involved in and slowly i moved to a rooming house that i bought renovated rented that i ended up selling it after a while mm-hmm. but um yeah i was a buy and hold uh, for at least uh, 10 years
0: very nice very nice all right And tell me the story behind the property management company. Did you start that from scratch? Did you buy somebody else's company? Did you get fed up dealing with doofus property managers and said, I could do a better job myself? How did,
1: how did that all happen? Again, it's a, it's a fluke again, or or it just landed on my lap. So I ended up, I ended up selling a property, which is the rooming house to, to a a corporation. Uh Uh-huh. And then I suggested to whoever was buying it, if they needed assistance in managing it, because mm. it's a different animal altogether, that I would uh, assist the buyer for three months as they're buying a business. And how how many years ago was that? <laughs> Well, let's say uh, a good solid twelve years.
0: Okay, so three months turned into twelve years. <laughs> yeah,
1: so so from one rooming house from for somebody to to uh to single family homes to placing an ad on Kijiji to yeah. referrals to to multi small multi building uh, units. Yeah.
0: yeah. So, what would you say right now with these hundred and twenty-five landlords that? that you're managing for what kind of mix of properties do you have right now in 2023? What does that
1: look like? Uh, For the most part, we're looking at two unit, three unit houses, um, up to 12, 16 units. Okay. So small multifamily. That's, that's kind of a sweet spot. That's really
0: valuable, Richard, because that is such a challenge for so many real estate investors is to find decent property management for those size of properties like Mm -hmm. there's lots of options for the really big guys if you got 50 75 100 doors in a property then yeah the the big guys want to want your business want to look at you do a good do a good job for you but this for the smaller properties it's definitely a challenge for a lot of people do you do you find that there's quite a big demand for your services
1: I think so, because um aside from property management, as as you mentioned, renovations or construction, mm. I'm also well versed in building services. So you know from 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 the water meter coming in to the uh, to the roof to windows. So there's a lot of information that the small mom and pop mm-hmm. uh, investors don't have and they need. so, we're not just like okay give me your money once a month and i'll collect the rents and you're not going to see me no we're full on board service and that's um i've always been a service oriented type person and that's the niche that we're looking at is the smaller the mom and pops and the smaller buildings so, so that so that uh, we can that's bring value valuable. to our yeah. to the people that we're working for
0: that's super valuable No, that's that is fantastic so Let's switch gears. Let's talk a little bit about your active real estate investing side of things. So what do you as a real estate investor focus on these days, geez, almost 20 years into your real estate investing career? What, what's the sweet, the sweet spot for you?
1: Just, thank you for asking. The sweet spot for me is taking an old Victorian style home, completely gutting it and converting it into a, at least a three unit dwelling. Yeah. Well, these days, would you say
0: that's pretty much the minimum that, that that has to be done in order to make anything cash flow these days? I don't know about, about Barry, yes. but lots of places in Ontario. Yes. That's what you have to do.
1: Very yeah, nice. No. So how
0: many, what's, what's your best guess? How many of these kind
1: of properties have you done over the years? Um, Up to date, uh, two unit houses that we've done. Mm-hmm. We're at eight of those. Nice. And triplexes. I've done two of my own, none for anybody else, but um, I've got two other triplexes in the works and that we're we're working on to – and they're going to be burrs. We're going to keep them. We're going to refinance them and uh, keep them for the long haul. So the sweet spot are three units. You can't make money on two units the way I see it unless you come down with a significant amount of capital – to, uh, to uh, you know, to decrease Or, your or you do
0: something kind of unique with them, like short-term rentals or something like that, themed short-term rentals and this kind of yes. thing. Even then that's challenging depending on the municipality, right?
1: True, true, yeah. true. That's not an animal that we deal with, no. Yeah,
0: I would, you're, you, you understand, you definitely got the whole long-term property management side dialed in. That's that's uh, the, the wheelhouse there. No, that makes a lot of sense, Richard. So what... Uh, what have been some of the biggest challenges you've had to overcome on the property management side of things over the years? Cause you've been doing that for a dozen years now, it kind of stumbled into that. You kind of little by little grew that side of the business. There must be some amazing stories there, but if you had to kind of synthesize it, what's been, what have been some of your biggest takeaways there on the management side?
1: I think the biggest challenge, especially in Ontario is, understanding the um the landlord and tenant board mm, yeah yeah because people are people you just do your due diligence you you do the proper interviewing and application and qualify the right people but what if you don't do that what something happens and we can't predict mental health so mm-hmm. something happens to uh, to a tenant the tenant goes away and the rights that a tenant has in Ontario is far and few um as far, far above the landlord far right? above yes it's yeah. uh yeah the, the the scales are not tipped in the favor of the landlords but uh we hopefully bring value that uh that we can so what, bring so what I'm down. reading
0: between the lines here, my friend is you've had to go to bat for your your clients with uh the, the landlord tenancy board a few
1: times would that be fair to say? That is fair to say. And, and a few years back, the uh, um, property managers were permitted to represent the landlords at the tribunal, mm-hmm. but the law society changed that, so we're no longer permitted to to do that. There's two occasions that uh, that we're allowed to, but yeah, no, the te- the tenants are sadly winning that battle right now. Right now, hopefully, that will that will
0: turn around. Okay, so dealing so so given that, what what additional safeguards have you put in place for you and your and your customers, your landlords, to avoid getting these tenants from hell? You got any quick t- quick tips for folks to avoid getting a, a nightmare tenant in?
1: Yes, don't. It's always better to evict a tenant before they rent from you. <laughs> so take take your time. Do not hurry up on renting. The first person that comes out says, I've got cash, first and last month's rent. I'm ready to move in. And when you're hungry, when landlords are hungry to make those mortgage payments and those utility payments, sometimes, and it happens, they just swallow up the cash and say, oh, I hope everything's going to work out. Yeah. So the safeguard is to take our time, pre-qualify the tenants, go to social media. Everybody's got a footprint. Paperwork is great, but you know the, the human factor also needs to be looked at. So tell me, some,
0: just for folks that aren't up to speed with that, when you're checking a potential tenant's social media, because again, tenants have so many rights, and and they, you know, you got to be careful that you don't. You know, discriminate based on race or this or age. You know, we we got to be so careful around this. So, when you're checking somebody out online with their social media footprint, what are you looking for? What are big red flags for you, Richard? That kind of make you say, you know what? Yeah, nah. They maybe they look good in the, in person, maybe they look good on paper, but what do you, what do you see on their social media that
1: just makes you say, hell no? Party people, yeah. no it's okay it's okay to party have beers and drink but if that's all they're showing on their footprint uh, that they're into the party mode then i would say no thank you let's move on to the next application and you mentioned discriminating and sadly we have to do that Mm -hmm. you know it's just like this person does not fit so let's wait to the next one let's be patient so how do you turn them down nicely so they don't come back at you Oh, we simply say, well, the landlord's uh, decided to move on to another application. Sorry. Perfect. There you go. So, yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 That's, that's really, really smart. Okay. So you don't, geez, that means I'm going to have to completely clean up my social media footprint, my friend. i tell you what. <laughs>
1: no partying, Dave. Ah, <laughs> oh, gee
0: whiz, Louise. Jeez, Louise. Makes sense. No, that's smart. Thank you for that tip there. Now you've done a whole bunch of different things on the real estate investing side of things over the years, you know, and you're, you've switched from kind of doing these duplex burrs into doing triplex burrs. Uh, What are your plans moving ahead with your own real estate investing? Richard, you want to do more of those? You want to get
1: into bigger things? What, what are your, what are your plans? Yeah, I, I, I see that. My direction are triplexes, first of all, because I believe that there is a significant amount of of um, equity that could be created. Mm-hmm. If you can do a fourplex, great. And that's where I want to be heading. <clears throat> However, at some point, I need to look at joint ventures. But mm-hmm. so there's only so much a guy can do on his own for sure. So Yeah, the, the banks will only allow so much, right? You know
0: what's really interesting, Richard? You remind me of some clients I worked with years ago who were a very similar situation. They are property managers in Winnipeg and real estate investors. In their case, they were they were doing a little bit bigger, medium-sized multifamily, small to medium-sized multifamily. So like 12 to 20 unit type buildings was, was what they were trying to do. And same situation, they, they wanted to start... Uh, raising capital and, and bringing on joint venture partners. And one of the things that we always encourage people to do when it comes to raising capital, private capital is focus on your existing connections first, right? So you got the friends and the family, and then you got the coworkers, business associates, customers, and clients, right? So that's, that's the wheelhouse that you're kind of in there. So I was telling them about all this and we were, we were working through all of this and they were really kind of nervous about trying to connect with their customers as prospective joint venture partners. I said, hey, you guys, you know what? I, they are really good prospects for you. So they, they went ahead, they took a little leap of faith and sure enough, their number one investor, became, their, their number one biggest client became their number one biggest investor by following this whole process. So Richard, I I guess what I'm trying to tell you is yeah, when you're ready to start bringing on joint venture partners and raising capital, you're already sitting on a gold mine between all of your personal and your professional contacts. You just want to make sure that you, you don't do what dumb, dumb Dave did back in the day and just charge in and say, I got the deals. If you got the dough kind of thing, we got to, we got to do it in a, in a bit of a classy manner and and warm them up a little bit first, but you are very, very well positioned for starting to do that based on number one, your years in the business. You got two decades in the business coming up pretty quick here. Number two, your years in property management, you got a dozen of those under your belt. Number three, the sheer quantity of these kind of projects that you've personally been involved in between, Duplexes and triplexes, you've got a fantastic track record to show people. So yeah, you're you're primed and ready to start bringing on joint venture partners, my friend.
1: No, I, I agree. Thank you, and I, I I definitely agree. And the next uh, few, let's say months, uh, that's something that <clears throat> that I'm looking at. Putting into place, how do you bring value to somebody and to to you know to uh, to help them grow their portfolio and uh, create a win win situation?
0: Yeah, well, it's it's so it's kind of a balance. It's interesting because again, the 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 folks that you've got that are landlords, what you'd probably be focusing on there are the ones that just really don't want to be actively doing stuff so much anymore. They much rather be on the passive side of things, and then the other group are people that might not have much of an idea about real estate investing in the first place. But with a little bit of education, they can see why this is so much better than keeping their money in mutual funds or in GICs or or what have you, right? So, Huge. yeah, it's, it's it's kind of a two pronged approach there, Richard.
1: It's huge and it's figuring out or getting some education on some and some guidance on what the right approach is to, uh, again, to create that win win situation.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Well, that's what we help people do. So happy to have a chat with you about that. That's for sure, Richard. But in the meantime, as we're wrapping this up, people who are listening to this are probably going to be thinking, hey, this Mr. Brisson gentleman knows his stuff when it comes to property management. He's been doing this whole real estate investing thing for a long time. If people want to connect with you, what should they do?
1: Um I can give uh, I can Is there, is there like a website? website? Is a there a good website, website or an email address for sure? Yeah, maybe
0: maybe the, the website might be best. What's the best website to go
1: to? The website is pmbrokers.ca.
0: Well, that's easy. Perfect. <laughs>
1: There you go. Well, Richard,
0: thank you very, very much for being on the show. This has been an absolute pleasure.
1: It's my pleasure. Thank you, Dave, for the opportunity.
0: All right, everybody, take care, and we'll
1: see you on the next episode. Thank you.